Welcome everyone. My name is Tom Miller and uh, thank you for those that are part of our teacher leader consortium. Uh, we've got a great group of teachers uh, going through our um, our leadership program where they're learning about leadership as influence and how to build greater capacity in their organizations, how to think outside their four walls. And it's not that we planned this, Katie, and everybody else on the call, but nope. Everybody's got to think outside their four walls now because like the entire globe <laughs> has been shut down in terms of brick and mortar schooling as we know it. So um, great conversations I was just having with Amber and uh, Kevin about, you know, where are we at this time? You know, we're, we're seven, seven to 10 days in for most schools and how to turn my brick and mortar classroom into a digital platform with very little knowledge and experience. So Amber was just sharing with me, you know, how she's mentoring and coaching and supporting her uh, teachers and staff. So hopefully um, the lesson that I'm gonna teach today about mentorship uh, really supports everybody in their current need. And that's the whole goal, right? Is to take something, what am I going to apply? What am I gonna change? What can I teach someone else who's part of my team? Um, and even my leader, right? Because you're all 360 degree leaders. So some of the things you have to do is you got to lead up to your uh, principal, right? And bring this information that you're learning from a boots on the ground person. I guess it's not really boots on the ground now. What would you call it? Would you, it's not keyboards on the ground. I don't know. Virtually on the ground. Fingers on the keyboard. Fingers on the <laughs> keyboard, right? You are fingers on the keyboard, eyes on the Zoom. You know, while they're handling big organizational stuff, you're hearing all of the really critical tidbits from a stakeholder standpoint, um, from your peers standpoint, uh, from your own standpoint as a, as a teacher leader. And it's really important. I've been rereading through all the blogs that I've written over years. And a big part of it is um, that always make decisions based upon your best teachers and best staff. And there's my best teacher. He just walked out the door, my little seven-year-old coming in and out. He's like, it's like he owns the place. So not sure what happens around here. So, so make sure that you're taking this information and you're finding a platform to be able to communicate it up, right? Remember the relationship compass. You are leading down to some people right now. You're leading across to a lot of people. And you've got to learn to lead up, especially in times like this, and be able to have that conversation. Um, and we could spend some time on this call, you know, talking about that for sure, um, or we could do it offline, whatever is more comfortable for you. Um, but mentorship is a big part of this, right? Because you don't have mentorship without relationships. So thanks, everybody who's on live. And if you're listening to this archive, perfectly fine. Um, our goal is to add some value. So hopefully you've got a pen and paper, you got your notebook out and ready to go. So, you know, I, I believe, I believe that teaching someone else is about knowledge, but mentoring someone else is about wisdom and experience. Okay. And there's a big difference. So, so here's, so here's what I mean by that. Um, many teacher mentors that I've come across uh, seem to think that being a mentor, that somehow they're responsible for the evaluation or they have some sort of authority over those that they're mentoring. Now, let me tell you, that's, that's very far from being true, okay? You should never be put in, the, in a, a, a mentor-mentee relationship, should never be evaluative. It should never feel authoritative. Now, 20 years ago, 
during my first year or two as a teacher, um, I was a handful. You guys have already heard some of the stories, but I, I was not good under authority, right? When we talked about the DISC personality profile, my D came out a lot. And that's why I had to start my own business, you know, Katie, because, you know, I don't like bosses, right? Except me. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really good. And I was even worse as a teacher. I was egotistical. You don't even like you all the time. I don't. I, I hate <laughs> me most days. Actually. <laughs> I was egotistical, judgmental. I thought I knew everything about teaching students with disabilities and what was best for our entire organization. Right. And I was so much an advocate of my kids that I would usually break rules. You know, I won't say usually most of the time I would break some sort of rule in our school, some sort of policy in order to make sure our kids got what they needed. Let's face it. I was really just a typical Yankee at that time. I didn't understand that statement when I was 24 and I was down here in North Carolina, but I, but I was a typical Yankee. So I had this appointed mentor and she had 25 plus years uh, as a, you know, as an exceptional children's teacher, pretty much in this, this very lily white uh, beach community school um, that, uh, that I was at. And she was very well respected by everybody, very well respected. And she really played the part um, of that lead, you know, teacher at her school. She was involved in everything. So I had my doubts about her over the first, you know, couple of months, uh, but she was there for me many times, you know, just, she was, you know, someone I could talk to, someone I could lean on. She always helped me with resources and, and helped me. So she was, you know, gaining my trust about the relationship uh, compass. She was really starting to earn my trust. And really, I'm pretty much an open book. And there's a lot of people who know probably way too much about me. And she was probably one of them. And, and so, um, if I saw something that wasn't serving me and my ego, I was very vocal about it from a school standpoint, for sure. And, and honestly, I was kind of toxic. So I recall one particular meeting when I was meeting with my principal and my mentor, and we were sitting down and we were talking about my personal development plan, you know, your, your annual PDP that you have to do. And, and I realized that halfway through the conversation, it was not a PDP anymore. It was an action plan. And there was multiple complaints about me and my behavior that was written out and, and documented. And I, I said to my principal, I was like, you know, no one's ever come to me about these issues. I mean, if I'm making someone, you know, uncomfortable or unhappy, if I'm not doing my job, I, I'd really like to know. The principal looked at me and she had these really deep blue eyes, almost, you know, almost bluer than the ocean that's on the, the map here but, um, in back of me. And she, and she looked at my mentor and she said, uh, would you like to tell Tom who, who has the issue? And my mentor looked at me and she said, well, it's me. I'm the one who reported all of this. It took a good year for me to ever really open up to her again. Right? From that point forward, our, our relationship was strictly bottom line business it was whatever the requirement was for for me to move from the beginning teacher license to the provisional license or whatever that was it like i got the check mark and i moved forward now looking back you know 20 years you know almost exactly 20 years ago now i can't just blame my mentor i i'm sure she did the best that she knew how to mentor me right and and maybe even thinking back maybe that's how she was mentored and mentoring should be an informal and relational in, in nature, right? The mentor acts as an advisor 
you know, sharing knowledge based upon their experiences, right? There's, there's nothing evaluative or authoritative about it. And, and sadly, you know, as I've learned over almost now 20 years in education, that she's, she's not alone. And, you know, because mentors are in a dominant position in the relationship, it's easy for them to wield their uh, power inappropriately. Right? Think of that positional leadership that we've talked about, even if they're not fully aware of it, right? Even if they're not aware of it, because it could be their principal putting something down on them. Now, this is called, this actually has a term, <laughs> which I was really surprised to find out. It's mentoring malpractice, right? This mentoring mm. malpractice, as it's called, has significant negative career consequences for, for both parties, honestly, because right? it, it builds lack of trust in the, um, in the relationship, right? And, and I'm sure I wasn't very quiet about how I felt about her after that. I'm sure I was very vocal on spreading all sorts of things. So um, that's why, you know, it was about a year ago this time we were in um, one of the teacher leader consortium meetings. It was the coaching session that, you know, everybody should be experiencing, you know, this week if we weren't, you know, confined to our own houses. Uh, a, a, men, a mentee shared a very similar story. And I go, gosh, it's still out there. Like these things are still happening. And it made me remember that story because I pretty much had blocked it out. And I was like, I told Katie, I was like, we have to build a mentorship component into the teacher leader consortium so they have a better understanding. So now you know a little bit more about the why of why this is a new training, right? It's an added in, you know, uh, training uh, for you specifically. So, you know, my, my goal, I got a couple goals, you know, that I'd like to see during this outcome, but if you've got something in particular, you know, use the chat box or, or stop me and, you know, chime in throughout. I'm going to share, you know, um, the qualities of an effective mentor, and most importantly, how I feel you all need a mentor. If you don't have any specific mentors, to be looking for mentors uh, in certain areas of, of your life. So, um, Katie, is there anything in particular that you uh, remember from a mentor-mentee relationship or, you know, something that you want to make sure that we uh, touch during this call? Yeah, I think really clarifying the roles is key. Uh, the only mentor I ever had, uh, the only thing she asked me to do was substitute for her. Mm. She never mentored me in any sense of the word as I understood it. And I didn't advocate for myself because I was a beginning teacher, barely keeping my head above water. So I think just making sure we define what that relationship should look like is really important. Yeah, okay. Well, awesome. And that's a really, really valid point, right? Because it's that any thought not communicate or any expectation not communicated is merely a thought, right? And that's, I think that's where we are with a lot of relationships and a lot of schools operate that way because there is a mentor. You have to go through a specific training through the state to be a, a mentor mm -hmm. um, for a, a BT. And, and so, you know, it's, it's good stuff. It's not great stuff. <laughs> because it because it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't dig down into what the most important part of mentorship is and that's mm -hmm. and that's the ability that that number one right the first quality of a mentor is that they have to be successful right hmm. it should be someone who's larger than you 
anybody who you're going to ask, and that's a very important part, right? I ask people to mentor me. In schools, in schools, it's assigned, right? You know, unless maybe there's some really good principals, hopefully doing some great work there to, to allow, right, mentees to meet the mentors. And then maybe after the first quarter, ask, right? That might be mm -hmm. hard because there'd probably be some feelings hurt, but the mentor has to be a successful person successful in their field and more successful than the person that they're mentoring yeah right absolutely because remember sevens don't follow fives right you're a seven out of ten why would i follow you right why would i listen to you and that's a really important part that you need to think about so successful right this should be someone who's larger than you and and i just love this quote that i pulled out who you learn from is just as important as what you learn. Hmm. So that means that person has to have great self-leadership, right? If you've gone through our, our self-leadership you know, lesson here um, in the Teacher Leader Consortium, and we hit on it you know, during our first meetings, who you learn from is just as important as what you learn, because you might have some great information, but if you're a person of poor character, I might barely listen to you, right? Or if you haven't really shown a lot of success, whatever success in your eyes, not in the eyes of the person, because remember, I felt I was successful because I had what? Letters behind my name, because I was in you know, trainings and stuff like that. But I was a mess as a human being. But you know, I put on this uh, persona. So the big fallacy in mentoring also is that having just one mentor in your life isn't really gonna work, right? There, you know, there isn't anybody good enough to just be your only mentor. So, you know, I had mentors in my faith, in my relationships, you know, in, in just equipping me as a professional, thinking mentors, leadership mentors, health mentors, how to be a better spouse mentors, how to be a better father, like everybody. So think also through that is that, you know, as you're seeking mentors and mentoring, what is it that you're seeking a mentor in? Mm. And what is it that you're able to mentor other people in? can't mentor people in everything, you know? You can't give what you don't have. So if you're, if you're mentoring people, right, let them set the agenda. It shouldn't be your job to set the agenda of a mentor-mentee relationship. Remember, they're coming to you. And I know a lot of this is like the exact opposite of what we do in education. And I'm sorry to say. It's just wrong. <laughs> so if I'm the person of greater success and you're coming to me to learn, right? To learn from my experiences, to ask me questions, I can't set the agenda. It's not about me, hmm. right? So when you're you know, supporting a teacher and whether it's assigned or not, Keep that in mind, right? What is it that you want to address during this time together? What's most on your mind? Now, you may have something based upon your job that I've got to get through these other two or three pieces, but I can't just dive into what I want to talk about. It's about what my mentee needs to talk about, right? Does that make sense, everybody? Uh, give me a yes on the chat, 
you know, chat box if you're still there alive, because everybody went dark on me. So everybody might be sleeping here, Katie. I don't even know. Hopefully there's something, <laughs> hopefully there's something good. So, and I have a note here, Katie, because uh, you nailed it. The, the first mistake, right, is that they don't set clear expectations for the relationship. Right. And the first expectation has to be that, you know, uh, Katie, I'm coming to you and you've told me to set the agenda for our meeting, right? You're the one who's going to call me or you're the one who's going to show up on time. Like I shouldn't be chasing down you as your mentor. Mm -hmm. you no, know, it's your job, right? But setting those clear expectations on, on the very front end, right? It's their time. It's not really your time. That is a whole different relationship, right? That's evaluative. That's, that's authoritative. You don't want to have an authoritative or evaluative relationship when it comes to mentoring. Okay. Right. We have all yeses in the chat box, Tom. I love, I love, I love that. I love it. All right. I love it. The kids were fighting. They weren't fighting. They were communicating. All right. So the way, the way to mentor people is to have them come and ask you questions. Right? I think, I think we've already hit that point. And, and so later in this you know, training program, it, and you know, maybe you've already done it, but there's a lesson called Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. And you need to make sure you dive into that. And when we finally get together for the coaching program, you're going to learn all a whole different mindset around you know, coaching and asking questions and how, you know, and how important it is. So if, if it's their job to ask questions, right? Both sides, both sides need to be fully engaged, right? They have to be engaged listeners. <laughs> so whether you're mentoring somebody, you have to listen. Whether you're being mentored by someone, right? You also have to listen. And so you got to be fully present, right? So you got to put the phones away. You got to make sure it's a time that's not going to be interrupted. Like there's just all, you got to turn off distractions during that time. And really listen and not just so you're waiting for them to stop talking so you can speak. It's right. <laughs> so you're really processing can what you, that person is saying. Can you see my notes? Do you have my notes? Cause that's exactly no. the next slide. So it says actively listen, right? Okay. Actively <laughs> listening means right. And there's, and there's another lesson. I think you led that lesson, uh, Katie in there is it's the five levels of listening, right? It's another mm -hmm. lesson we have archived here, right? So being able to ask questions and being able to actively listen, two critical, two, uh, critical ends of both the mentor and mentee relationship. Okay, that's very, very important. So you've got to be a charismatic listener. Like, like you've got to, you know, you've got to make them feel like they're the most important person in the room. And I'll never forget, I've talked about him a couple of times, but uh, one of my first mentors in education, uh, John Fish Hetty, he was the, um, he was, uh, at the time, he was uh, like one of the associate deans of UNCW's education program, Watson School of Ed. And I didn't know him well, I only knew of him. And I just got a job there as a project instructional leader. And, uh, and I was at the UNCW gym. And um, I just saw him and he said, oh, you're that guy that got introduced at the staff meeting. And, for 45 minutes, he peppered me with questions. Now, this is someone who had decades of experience in education. He was a high-level dean, and I'm just a temporary, you know, grant manager. And it was my first experience. Like, he, he made me feel so important. 
And I couldn't figure out why. It took me about 10 to 15 years to realize, oh, that's because that's how John is. Like he just, he's very charismatic with his listening. He's very curious. And we had an instant rapport and relationship, mainly because he took that time with me. I didn't ask him to take that time. He just did it informally. We happened to run into each other, right? So, but even during the workout, right? So here he is, he's, you know, doing his curls, Katie. But he like, instead of looking at himself in the mirror, he's looking at me as I'm talking. Oh, really? <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, he never took his eyes off me. It didn't matter what he did. He was always right there. And so I got huh. to travel with him to South Africa, right? That's when I, I was still kind of an egomaniac at that point. But now that I think <laughs> back at it, and I, oh, I was like, gosh, he was so good at all those things, right? So they're engaged listeners. They're actively listening. They're asking good questions. And even, you know, when I go into a meeting now, like I, I write listen at the top of my note because I know I am that person, Katie. I'm waiting for the pause. <laughs> like I'm waiting <laughs> to, to show how smart I am. And that's not, that's, not what a, that's not what your job is at times. Actively listen to the question, right? And then as a mentor, you are sharing wisdom from your experience. And as the mentee, they're listening, okay? And it goes back and forth and back and forth. It's not about you know, the, the, Yeah, go. This makes me think of, you know, I have a, a teacher I'm mentoring this year. And I think you have to create space for them to feel comfortable with the question. And the last time I met with my mentor, uh, here, we, you know, what was it? February. Um, she, she was finally comfortable enough to, to really ask me a question that was, you know, it, it was a, you know, it was kind of a challenging question. She said, Katie, if you were just in my classroom for the first time, what do you think I could improve on? And, you know, she was being really vulnerable with me. Yeah. And it was a great question. And I didn't think to ask her that question, but, I, but it was the best question of the day. And when I told her, you know, you came alive during that first five minutes of the lesson. You were engaging, the kids were with you, you seemed like you loved being where you were. Uh, and the rest of the lesson was, was good, but it just didn't reach that same energy level. I said, if you could make sure and be yourself in front of those kids as much as possible, you're gonna make connections like you've never seen. And then the next time, I guess that was two times ago, so the next time I went, I saw her about 35% of the time at that level. Mm -hmm. And you know, so just that one question made, yep. made a huge impact. Yeah, and, and you know what the key is there, right? Because if we're, if we're actively listening, we're not thinking about a question. The question will come to us if we need, you mm -hmm. know, when, when we need to ask it. If we're so you know, worrying about the question I wanna ask, I'm not actually listening, because that's, again, my agenda. Either way, right, either way, because if I'm being mentored, and I'm asking a question, I need to shut up and listen, right? Mm -hmm. And if I'm the mentor, I need to not worry about what I think I need to tell you. It's more about what is you need to hear based right. upon your question, right? So, you know, and there's ways, you know, to do that. Um, so yeah, so don't get too locked into the question. Questions are the keys that are gonna unlock your door. So don't get too locked into like, these are my set of questions I'm gonna ask, because if you're too, this is again the mentee relationship. If you're if you're too locked into the questions I want to ask, you're going to miss something, right? And as the mentor, if you're too locked into the response I want to give, you're going to miss the question. <laughs> it works both ways. So actively listening, mm -hmm. huge, 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 huge. 
Um, I love this. He says, uh, uh, Maxwell says, um, active listening may trigger a better question than what you've already prepared. Mm -hmm. The answers expand people, but questions deepen people, right? So if I'm just going to like vomit information on you, you're going to get something, but it's not going to deepen you, Mm -hmm. right? It's not going to deepen you. So based upon that, what questions right now on the side or, you know, out loud, like what questions are coming to your head about a mentor-mentee relationship? What are some qualities do you think maybe they need to have or, or what are some, you know, just, I would love to know, throw in a chat box, like, or, or just unmute yourself. What's something that's going through your head right now? How is this different than how you've perceived mentorship previously? Mm-hmm. Now we did have a comment in there, Tom. I think that is where many organizations and relationships struggle, setting clear expectations up front. And that was from Amber, yeah. which I completely agree with. Yep. And so, and I'll wait for your questions. If I have to do push-ups, I will. But I was just thinking, Tom, that along that lines, um, because I hear a lot in organization in, in my role in our in my organization. I'm neither a teacher nor an administrator, <laughs> and so um, I hear a lot with, "Well, they're adults; they should know how to do it." Mm. Instead of, like you said, there, you know, it's just kind of like that. Oh, well, you're a mentor. Just because you're a good teacher does not mean you necessarily know how to be a good mentor. And so I find that even I myself sometimes struggle with setting that expectation about the professional relationship I'm entering into with someone um, and and how to do that. Mm -hmm. Because even though I was a good teacher when I was still in the classroom full time, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm automatically going to be a good mentor, a good coach or whatever. Um, Does that make sense? It, it absolutely does. I mean, that's the lack of, that's the lack of clarity that sometimes we live in, uh, in all of our uh, professions. It's not just education. It happens everywhere. Um, I'm working with this massive organization that deals with pharmaceutical sales and they're calling everybody coaches, but they're not really coaching. They're just telling people what to do. They're, you know, you know, going along on a 15 minute car ride and they're, and they're not really helping people, you know, they're just, you know, again, it goes back to just, you know, answering. And I had explained to the person, I was like, well, I mean, that doesn't sound like coaching to me. That sounds like teaching. That sounds like dictation. And she's like, oh my gosh, we just spent like a quarter of a million dollars on training. (laughs) It's like, well, I mean, call it something else. Don't call it coaching. Right. So maybe it's not mentoring. Maybe it's, you know, you know, something else. And if your role is a coach, then you have to see, this is what a coach does right this is what a mentor does and so when i hear the word instructional coach at a school like i start to think about oh gosh this is someone who's trained in cognitive uh, coaching right this is someone who's really experienced in being present and actively helping you know teachers really unlock their potential and then when i actually see what they do they're like creating curriculum guides and you know checking off whether you know people had their uh, do it now activity up right or making sure that the um 
the learning objective, right, is there. And I'm like, no, that's, that's administrative, <laughs> right? That's, that's evaluative. That's, that's a whole nother piece. So, yeah, I think that's a great question. And, you know, um, one that I encourage you guys all to go back to your leader and in a nice, respectful, professional way, say, hey, you know, I was wondering about our expectations around mentoring and, you know, coaching and all these pieces. Like, do you think it's clear to everybody what everybody's role is? Because when I, I, you know, when I think of a mentor, that's a title, right? That's a, that's a given authoritative mentally position by folks. And it shouldn't be. It just should be, you know, someone who's successful in something, right? Someone who's successful in something. So now I'm gonna, I'm gonna pivot a little bit about the mentee part, right? So if you're mentoring somebody, whether it's at your school or you know, personally, a mentee should be somebody who's um, hungry, right? Hungry for accomplishment. But we don't always find that, right? Especially if it's assigned in the relationship. It's a, it's a, um, you know, a, you know, it's a positional gift. And if they're not hungry for that, if they're not listening, like I wasn't listening, then I'm not going to gain much of the relationship. And that wastes both sides' time. And that happens more, you know, more than often, I would say, where, you know, it's like, oh, I got to check in with my mentor or I haven't, right? Like the mentor hasn't checked in. It's like, it's not the mentor's job to check in. I should be hungry to learn. I should have a yearning to get better and improve. So every organization who's on this call right now has had to move to a digital platform. Now, my question is, who were you learning your digital platform from? Is it somebody who's been doing it for years? Or is it somebody who just hopped on a webinar from Zoom, right? Katie and I have like, we've, uh, you, know, you know, started to launch into my, you know, digital platform, you know, leaders, like folks in the organization that I know who have, have been successful in it. Like I can't ask, you know, someone who's just, you know, trying to figure it out for the first time. I'm hungry to learn because I want to be able to serve, okay? So think about what you're hungry in if you're seeking a mentor. And then even think about the mentees. Are they hungry to come and learn from me? And I'll know that they're hungry when they come prepared. They ask questions. They set the agenda, right? And they have capacity, the capacity to learn and grow. Because the better the, the person you're mentoring, <laughs> you know, the better return you're going to get, right? So I think if I'm mentoring somebody, I want someone who's hungry. I don't want someone who's, you know, like coming here because they have to, right? Katie, does that make sense, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's like a painful experience. It's just, <laughs> I got to go see my mentor or from a mentor's perspective, I got my call with my mentee. They just don't ever do anything that I, that I tell them to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's how my mentee originally was at the beginning of the year. Cause she was like, why do I need you? <laughs> she exactly. thought she was in right. yeah. she thought she was in trouble. I said, you know, we all have to start somewhere. That's I said, right. so this is not evaluative. I am just here to help you grow and uh, to you know to help you stay inspired because teachers leave this field on an average of you know three years in. So we want to keep you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now catch this quote here. We tend to judge ourselves by our own uh, potential right? Mm. But we judge others by their performance, right? 
I mean, we're judged by our actions and our performance, but we tend to, you know, well, I had good intentions, right? I went to the training, or I did whatever, but then we judge other people based upon their actual actions or uh, performance. So it's important that, you know, the mentor needs to understand it's their job to just close the gap, right? To just close the gap from where I am now, right? Or from where my mentee is now, from where I want to be. And also from a mentee relationship, I want to close the gap on digital learning, right? Or I want to close the gap on being a more effective coach, or I want to close the gap on, um, you know, being more, you know, financially responsible for my family in tough times, or I mean, whatever it is, I got to seek someone who's more successful than I am at that level. Because when you find yourself at the head of the class, everybody, it's time to find a new class, right? You've outgrown that class. The uh, capacity of that class is well beneath you and you need to take a step out. So I thought about this when I was a principal, you know, there's all these capacity categories and I, you know, like I really started to think about well, where are my teachers now? Like, did I do a good job of mentoring? Did I do a good job of equipping, you know, the people that worked under me who worked for me? And, and when I started to list them out, now you have to mind this, I had a massive turnover rate too, right? So I wasn't really successful. So when I talk about this, it's, it's not the brag, but I've got three of the 10 uh, teachers are now principals across North Carolina. Hmm. One of them grew to be, and another person, he's a, a professor at the University of Georgia. One of the last uh, science teachers I hired, he got North Carolina Science Teacher of the Year a few years ago. Two of the other ones are instructional coaches still at that school. So when I thought about it, I was like, gosh, what the heck did we do <laughs> that grew these people, right? And then I didn't do anything. I hired people who had capacity. I hired people who were hungry to learn. That's the key, right? So as you're mentoring, right, or if you're part of a hiring team or whatever it may be, part of a big part of your job is identifying, does this person have the capacity and are they hungry? And there's a great book called The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. Lencioni, who talks about hiring processes and the three keys that they found that make the best team players humble, hungry, and smart. Right? Mm -hmm. So to be an effective mentor, you've got to show humility. To be an effective mentee, you've got to show humility, right? You've got to be hungry on both sides. Right? And you have to be smart. And I don't mean smart like you know cognitively, because you all know my SAT score, which is really funny because I had a coaching uh, call with it, like an SAT coach. That's what she does. And I was really curious. I was like, how high do you think you could get my score? <laughs> I'll give you a real challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, really. But yeah, so, 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 so learning, right? So that means you have to put yourself in a growth environment. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my screen here. Hopefully you guys can see it here. Let's see if it works. Yeah. So can you guys see this uh, personal growth environment here in front? Yes. Give me a yes, yes as you can see. Okay. Uh, so this is, a, so this is, you know, John Maxwell talks about the law of environment. Remember your success is going to be determined by the five people that you spend the most time with. Right. But it also talks about your environment. Like, are you surrounding yourself? Are you putting yourself in an environment? So the personal growth environment is others are ahead of you. You're continually challenged. Your focus is forward. The atmosphere is affirming. You're often out of your comfort zone. You wake up excited. Failure is not your enemy. Others are growing around you. People desire change. And growth is modeled and expected, right? You know, 
for me, when I think about growing an organization, right, or being part of a, you know, a school improvement initiative, these were, you know, I think there's 10 here. These would, would uh, be the 10 that I would be asking questions about with my team. Are we surrounding ourselves with better people? Right? Are we continually challenging each other to be better? Do we affirm, right? Like, are we okay with, you know, failing? Like, do we affirm that we're trying, right? So, you know, it's, it's, it's a really important piece to make sure that you're in, in a, um, an environment for growth. Because remember, you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. So if you're not growing as the mentee, right, in a uh, relationship, you're not going to serve anybody in a mentor relationship. Because mm. you have to you have to model a constant environment for growth. So I'm really curious, you know, of the 10 here, what's maybe one of the 10 that you need to take a deeper look at, right? What's one of the 10 characteristics here that, you know, you need to take a deeper look at in terms of your current environment? Drop it in the chat or go ahead and, and share out there. I'm going to bring it back up in a better way. I don't like the way it's sitting on my screen here. Well, that's even worse. <laughs> Katie, what's, what's one for you, do you think, uh, would be one area here that would be for us to look at as an organization? You know, that's what I was just looking at. I'm like, we sure fail a lot, so we're good with that <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but our focus is we do get in the weeds a lot. Your focus is forward. We are constantly like in the work and then we're like, oh yeah, you know, we need to be thinking about June. You know, what are we doing for June? So that's the one on the list that I think is the one we could most work on. Yeah, making sure like we think forward, but we might not have like a destination, exact destination forward. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I'm definitely off and out of my comfort zone. That's, that's, that's uh, for sure. We've got a couple <laughs> chat here. Uh, yeah, today's seminar. Awesome. Teaching yourself that people desire change. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's a big one right now. Remember, when we did the DISCA profile, like this is what's blowing my mind right now, that over 80% of the population, right? Let's say that the DISC pretty much stands true across the world over 80% were from that processing, you know, bottom of the disc scale. They're either S styles or C styles. Mm -hmm. And we just asked them without their permission to completely flip their education environment from brick and mortar to uh, digital with very little direction. Very little direction, still very little direction, maybe even worse directions after what I heard today. <laughs> right. So right. really, so really think about, you know, people desire change. You know, what does that look like? Right. And to uh, desire change, I got to know the current reality. And I also got to know where we're going to be able to get there. But yeah, change is really, really hard for people. And everybody likes change. They just don't want to change to actually have to create the change is what I found. They just don't want to go through the pain of make, they just want to get there. But that whole transition <laughs> period, ugh, that's really mm. uncomfortable. <laughs> yep. I love it. And we got, uh, sometimes we get in a rut and don't like or value change. Yeah. 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 Change, change seems to be a big one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So putting yourself in a growth environment. So I'll make sure that I share this uh, uh, back out, but this is from John Maxwell's law of growth um, from his 20, from his 15 laws of leadership. 
or 15 laws of growth. Uh, it's the law of environment. So I'm going to recap here because, because we're running out of time here and I could probably go for five more hours on this, but I won't because you guys all have really important stuff that you need to address at home with your family. So being very intentional about pouring into others, right? And being a benefit to both uh, parties. As a mentor, like I've grown tremendously because I have to grow because these are what my people are asking, right? And gosh, being mentored, you know, I can't even put it in words. I was asked recently to create a a less than a one minute video for the John Maxwell team about how mentoring has changed my life. I couldn't submit one that was less than four minutes. I couldn't figure out how the heck do I get, you know, the, the so many benefits, but I think that the greatest benefit that it has provided me is, is the confidence one, right? Like eliminating self doubt, but the confidence in knowing that there's someone I can go to who wants me who wants me to be better, right? My mentors, you know, desire is for me to be better. They don't care about, uh, they, they want to get returned, right? They want to know that I actually did what they, you know, they learned something from our time together, but it's not about their growth, right? Hmm. They're more interested in my success. And I think that's a really important piece, right? So in our life, you either take more than you give or you give more than you take, right? But if you give more than you take, your relationships will work. And that's in mentoring. Like, you know, if you give, give and give, like John, he gave and gave and gave me, gave. He's in New Zealand now as a, he's the, he's like the dean of the, um, you know, so I would, if I had to swim there, I can't swim, but if I did have to, I would do it for him because he just constantly gave everything for me. So that's, you know, uh, for me is a big part. And Gwen says, the journey is the exciting part. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's so, it's so important, right, to, you know, John says leadership evolves daily, not in a day. And you have to trust the process. And a mentor-mentee relationship is part of that process. But, yes, uh, Kevin wrote, he said, this is off, off topic, and it's not off topic. It's perfect. He says, the best mentorship at times comes unscripted or unplanned. And that's right, right? Because you're going to someone, you're seeking advice from someone who's more successful than you. Because before you ask someone what they think, make sure they do, right? Make sure they have success. And if you're going to take <laughs> advice from somebody, if you're going to take advice from somebody, you know, make sure check their results first, right? So that's why the first, the first quality of an effective mentor is they have to be successful at whatever that, that, that they're mentoring someone else in, okay? So um, I, I just feel that schools, you know, some schools are getting mentorship really wrong and, 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 and you, uh, you know, a mentor, being mentored is about someone who is being around someone who's, who leads larger than you, who thinks larger than you, who's experienced and been successful in larger experiences. Um, than you, right? Because until you feel as though, <laughs> until you feel like a, from a mentee relationship, until you feel like somebody pouring into you and you're watching the results, like you're, you're watching yourself get better, you'll never believe, right? And I think that's why a lot of people have a hard time with change. It's because they're not willing to invest in themselves. 
right? They have a self-doubt about themselves, about can I actually do this, right? They got that gremlin in their head. So I know change is hard, but all, you know, the only way that change can happen is through growth, right? Can't change without growth. Can't change without growth. So should I recap? From a mentor's perspective, right? Got to be successful. Got to be an active listener. You've got to put yourself in a learning environment, a constant growth environment. You've got to allow your mentee to set the agenda, right? To drive um, the conversation because it's their time. It's not your time, right? And then it's your job to be there, um, to be, you know, prepared as an active listener and honest and respectful, right? You have to be able to be, um, you know, candid with, you know, certain candor, right? It's, it's just, you know, care and candor is that, you know, mentors, that mentor's way of uh, being. It's not, it's not authoritative. It's not evaluative. It's not about, you know, getting people in trouble. It's about a relationship to take your wisdom, right? To take your wisdom and help someone build momentum in their life based upon whatever they're trying to do right? Whatever they're trying to do. So they're going to set the goals. They're going to set the outcomes. They're going to set the objectives. It's their job to be prepared. And um, honestly, I would not take a mentoring call uh, unless the person proved to me that they've already done from the last time we were together. <laughs> and Katie and I were just talking about this today. Maybe that's why we don't hear from a lot of people. Either we stink at mentorship or they haven't done all the things that we piled on them, you know, uh, the last time. So. Um, yeah, awesome. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. And is there any thoughts, thoughts or questions or, um, you know, Katie, if you've got anything else, you know, to add, but I think, you know, mentoring relationships is, is so critical. And um, what I would love to do, um, you know, for everybody, if you're interested, you don't have to, it's, you know, it, it's an optional piece. But we have this tool called the wheel of life, right? And I thought about, you know, doing it live, but I don't want to don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. It's, 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 just a, it's just a way to evaluate, self-evaluate yourself in these eight areas of life that I talked about. And when you get done with the wheel of life, like you'll see how well your, how well your um, wheel rolls, right? Are you balanced or are you missing in certain areas? And it just helps you. It's a process that helps you start to identify what parts of your life may, might help you. Um, with uh, mentorship and it, it's also important to, to remember that your you know your mentor doesn't have to be living right now and it's not someone you have to you know meet face to face like I'm really fortunate Katie and I are fortunate we get to see you know John Maxwell but we're not having dinner with John Maxwell right um, not know, yet not yet that's right you know we can hear you know you know I can hear Dave uh, Ramsey he's helped me through the whole financial peace university piece and it's really changed our lives financially but we'll We've never met, right? So, so if you can't find a mentor who's face to face, you know, go get a book, <laughs> listen to a podcast. You know, there's, you know, uh, uh, mentorship is everywhere. Um, and then you, you know, uh, remember, you know, yourself. People are coming to you, and when they come to you, you need to honor that relationship that they're, you know, that they're coming to. And I'll, you know, I'll quit there. Katie, anything you want to add, or any other questions in the in the chat here? I was going to build off Kevin's point that some of the best mentorship comes unscripted or unplanned. And I think that goes right back to the active listening piece because, you know, maybe you do come into the session with some questions pre-planned. 
but really, if you're listening, you're gonna you're gonna be. I'm just thinking of uh, this this principal who I coach, and after you know coaching her for about ten months, I said, "It sounds like you are trying to change everything from being teacher focused to student focused. All the policies that you're writing, and and she hadn't put that together because she was so in the weeds. And then, but I saw the pattern of all her, everything she was focused on. So being a mentor, you have that privilege of, of you know, kind of the big picture uh, and the weeds at the same time. So she's like, you're right. And so she's like, now let's talk about if that's the right thing to do. <laughs> so, so she drove the question, but by, but the mentor's role is to kind of step back and say, well, this is what I hear you saying. How does this, how does this sound to you? And, and I didn't plan that. That just came up just as I listened to her over those months. I'm like, let's put this together. And it, it really drove, like this school year has been totally driven by that because she, she, it came together for her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're right. Kevin's right. Most of the people that mentor me, they don't know that they mentor me. Right. It's not a formal relationship at all. Uh, so that's a, that's another important piece that, that you, you know, I'll tell people that they mentor me, but they never believe me. They're like, really? And what? Like, what do I do? Right? So there's always people watching your success. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. So I guarantee, you know, the seven or eight people we've got on, you're all mentoring somebody, right? And some of you got little kids. I mean, you are, you are parenting, you are mentoring, you are, you know, you're getting wisdom. And it's, it's, it's the mentee's job to extract that wisdom, right? But it's your job as the mentor, this is, this is my last comment, is that don't want more from your mentee. You need to want more for them. That's why you're doing it, right? And be prepared to mentor people that you don't know. I mean, that, that's like the mindset. Like you need to be able, like anybody who comes to you for specific information and wisdom and experience, don't, don't take it lightly because it's quite a gift that you're going to give them. So. All right. Well, I love you all and I'm excited for you. And um, I'm constantly thinking about you guys uh, in, in just in terms of the challenges and the heroes that you're being uh, because you're being asked to do the impossible in a very short time. And, and so, you know, make sure you're reaching out and you're taking care of yourself first, right? First uh, response in a, you know, when the airplane's going down, it says, put your put your own life mask on first, right? Put your own mask on first. So if you don't take care of you, you're not going to be able to serve your family, your community. And so, so that's what a great mentor does is right. You, you, you know, the way you show the way. So make sure you're showing the way uh, for, for the people around you. And uh, Katie and I are here for you. Uh, so reach out if you want, you know, to, to uh, be in any of our other, we've got some digital learning uh, teacher platforms coming up. Feel free. It's, complimentary to you guys you guys can hop hop uh, right in and you'll you'll probably be a mentoring right because that's what we're looking for is this groups of mentors in digital learning but also you know folks that are hungry to learn that can that can share some better practices that they're all learning so i'm going to unmute everybody so they have a chance to say bye and um so go ahead and unmute yourself and say bye to everyone and uh, take care and enjoy your weekend Bye. See you later. Bye, everybody. Thank Bye. you. Take care. Bye. Bye.